Welcome to The Slip, an Atlanta sports podcast for the true ATL. And I'm the host, Brandon Baird. You can follow me on Twitter at Bairdian underscore Slip. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Stitcher. Please rate, subscribe, and review for me. That helps me a lot, man. We got a lot to get into today. Of course, we're going to be talking about the Falcons as they move into the week two against the Buccaneers. I'm going to talk about the questions that I have for the Falcons going up against the Bucs. I will also talk about the keys that I think the Falcons need to accomplish if they want to have any chance going against the defending world champion Buccaneers. I will also get into a little bit of Braves talk as we talk a little bit about what they need to do to finish up the season strong as they the magic number is down to 15 and they're about to take a little bit of a road trip um, to the west coast of which they need to do all right and I'll give down my rundown about what I see um, happening right now and what the Braves need to turn around to make sure that they make it into the postseason and then of course I will give you my final thoughts but first you know I got to tell you who I'm slipping on you don't want to piss them off here is what he's slipping on I could be slipping on the Falcons O-line, I could be slipping on the Falcons receivers, I could be slipping on the Falcons coach, I could be even slipping on Matt Ryan, but I'm not slipping on them. The people that I'm slipping on today are the Falcons fans that want Matt Ryan gone. If you look at that game, if you know anything about football, if you blame Matt Ryan for this game and solely Matt Ryan for this game and talking about how you need a mobile QB and how you need a different QB and he's too old he can't throw he can't move out the pocket if that is your solution for the Falcons winning that game then you do not know what you are talking about quite frankly I don't know if there's any QB that could have succeeded under the pressure that Matt Ryan was receiving due to their offensive line not being able to block. They should be lucky that Matt Ryan only got away with three sacks and one intentional grounding the way that he was doing. And you know what? Experts say that Matt Ryan was responsible for absolutely none of the sacks that he received in this past game. However, he got three sacks and was hit nine times for a total of 28 lost yards. If you think that Matt Ryan is the problem when those things are happening, there is no chance any other QB would have been able to do anything about those things. One of the biggest problems was Jalen Mayfield and the Falcons not being able to prepare themselves accordingly due to the cap restraints because they were had to throw out a bum at left guard. And Jalen Mayfield is a certified bum statistically as having a one rating on PFF for his for his performance yeah he did all right for the first drive where he was actually going against Fletcher Cox and and when he went up against Fletcher Cox on those runs or on those pass plays he was six of six and actually having a successful play from there he failed and tripped 
and false started his way into damn near losing a job. And the only reason he didn't lose a job is because the Falcons don't have any other choices. Because the person who was supposed to be the Falcons left guard, Andrews, is out on the IR with a broken hand that he broke two weeks ago at the beginning um, or at the end of training camp. But Jalen Mayfield had two false starts in that game on two different drives. He also had two sacks allowed. But he wasn't the only problem. Matt Hennessy, the incumbent center that was supposed to be able to come in and do a job, did not play well at all either. He struggled in pass protection as well. And I know you remember the faithful slip fans, the slippers, remember when my brother Mike and all I were talking about the Falcons line that they may be able to get away with one guy that didn't know how to block on that line, but they damn sure weren't able to get away with two. And that was exemplified this past past week. And the biggest thing about that is that the Falcons and Matt Ryan received pressure on 7.9% of the dropbacks um, that Matt Ryan had, which was the fifth highest in week one. The most disappointing part about that is that Philadelphia only blitzed 7.7% of the time, which was the second lowest of week one. That just means that they were able to get after the quarterback with just four guys. Sometimes only getting it after the quarterback with just three guys. And we saw in the Super Bowl last year that it doesn't matter how good your offense is and how good your quarterback is. If a team is able to disrupt you with four people, you are most likely not only going to lose, but you're likely to get your butt whooped. And that's exactly what happened to the Falcons. They got their butt whooped. They were manhandled from front to from beginning to end. And it was absolutely unacceptable because it looked like the Falcons had not had any practice. They looked like they didn't know what they were doing coming out of training camp. And that is absolutely inexcusable when you're talking about a first-year head coach and none of these starters played a damn down in the preseason. I'm not saying that the preseason would have saved all of these mistakes and would have saved Jalen Mayfield from being a better player by playing with the starters because he was playing in the preseason or would have been able to correct some of these things. But I do tell you, it may have corrected some of the penalties because the Falcons had 12 penalties, nine of them on offense for 99 yards. That is just unacceptable. You cannot win a game when you are trying to do that. You cannot be successful in the NFL when you're committing that many penalties and you're not able to make up for it because you can't push the ball downfield, when you can't protect your quarterback, when your run game falters after getting 102 yards after the first quarter and a half. These are the things that are going to happen. So I look at you Falcons fans that if you can't look at these other things that are going on and just going to continue to blame Matt Ryan who is not the problem then I don't know what to tell you. If you want to talk about Matt Ryan being a problem talk about his high cap hit and how that's not going to make for a successful 
football team if he's not being able to perform. And he's never going to be able to perform if this offensive line cannot protect him. You're listening to The Slip with Brandon Baird. Alright, alright, welcome back to The Slip, an Atlanta sports podcast for the true ATL. And it is time to get into our continued Falcons talk. A little bit more calm as we go into our Falcons and Bucks preview. But man, there's a lot of questions going on into this game. And there's one question that I have on each team. The first question is how good is this Bucks defense? Because I tell you one thing that I saw, that their offense is the real deal. And they didn't even have to run the ball fa- fairly well for them to be the real deal. However, I tell you what, the passing options, you're talking about three people that could be a number one on almost any other team. And that's what worries me about that Bucks team is that, hey man, I know that their offense is going to be good, but the Falcons are going to obviously have to put up some points if they want to, if they want to be competitive in this game. And that's what worries me because I don't know if the Falcons are going to be able to do that because that goes into my next question of are the Falcons going to be able to protect Matt Ryan? And don't come with this nonsense, oh, oh, Arthur Smith just needs to move the pocket and and no, 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 no. You don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't matter if you move the pocket if you still can't block. What my expectations are is that the Falcons are going to be able to get rid of the ball quickly. But also, they need to push the ball downfield. And if they're not able to do that, they're going to have to be in for a rude awakening. Because, quite frankly, what I saw from the Dallas offense last week was was pretty darn good. The, The Dallas offense was able to essentially throw all over that Buccaneers um, defense, and they looked pretty good. And I do believe that the Falcons have at least comparable weapons to Dallas. I, I'd say that their quarterbacks um, have the same um, or very close to the same abilities and what they can do in terms of throwing the ball. I think that the Falcons' number one receiver with Calvin Ridley is very comparable to Amari Cooper and I think is possibly a little bit better at this point. Although that is not a a diss to Amari Cooper, but that's just showing you how much I believe Calvin Ridley um, can actually do work um, in, in that, um, in, in, as a wide receiver. I also feel that Kyle Pitts is going to be a monster and they need to get him involved a little bit more because what I saw last week was not acceptable where there were so many plays that the Falcons had in the red zone and on a handful of them, Kyle Pitts wasn't even in the game. I need at least three targets towards Kyle Pitts. Otherwise, what's the point of picking him up if you aren't going to use him? And you know what? I'm also tired of the people saying, oh, if you would have drafted Justin Fields, you wouldn't be dealing with these problems. Yes, you would. And you'd be down um, a good player on offense. 
Also, it's a little bit ignorant to think that they were just going to be able to move on from Julio Jones and Matt Ryan's contract in one season and think that they're going to be able to do anything. Now, I understand that the Falcons are rebuilding and, you know, they're going to go about that. However, you still have to at least put out a decent product out there. And otherwise, you aren't going to make money off of it. I mean, that's just the business of what running the team is. However, saying that Justin Fields would have changed this, and I know I'm still slipping on the fans, a lot of people are still saying that, and they need to stop being butthurt and need to go get that butthurt cream from Costco. I heard it's on sale for y'all. Because quite frankly, I'm tired of it. Because you got to look at the, the things that you have right now. And I'm done engaging with these people that continue to talk about what Justin Fields may have done. You don't know what they would have done. And quite frankly, if Justin Fields was in that offensive or behind that offensive line last week, he would have gotten killed just like Matt Ryan. Possibly even worse. And this gets into my first keys of the game. That one, you got to protect Matt Ryan. If you can't do this, there's no point in playing. There's no point in me watching. And quite frankly, don't waste my time. Find a way to get a little bit more protection. Find a way to not put two first-year starters. I count Matt Hennessy as a first-year starter because he only got tossed in in a couple years. And Jalen Mayfield is going to be at left guard once again because apparently Arthur Smith has... A lot more faith than us and I have eyeballs I don't know why you have faith in him apparently that's just the thing you got to say and you know what I got to say to that quit lying to me because you're lying to yourself too you ain't got faith in that bum but it just I mean honestly if they aren't going to be able to protect them there's no point in playing just give up give up on the whole damn season because right now what I saw last week was something that was a product that was unwatchable all I ask is for me to sit down on Sunday at 1 o'clock and enjoy a football game. And if you can't provide me that because you can't protect the biggest person on your team and the quarterback, then quit wasting my time and stop playing football. Now, if you're actually able to protect Matt Ryan, the next thing you need to do is push the damn ball downfield. And that's something that they were not able to do last week. And it's sad because they were the only team last week that was unable to get an offensive play over 20 yards. This is after having a decent running game that got over 100 yards. This is after having two weapons in Calvin Ridley and, and Kyle Pitts. You got to stop with these little dump off roots that are going five yards at a time and actually open it up because at a certain point Philadelphia just sat back at 10 yards and was able to run through and plant their feet and run through the ball I'm surprised there weren't more interceptions goodness gracious we should be giving more credit to Matt Ryan for not turning the ball over more uh, but you know these idiots out here are just going to continue to blame him but push the ball downfield because one way you're going to become one dimensional is if you aren't going to be able to push the ball downfield and defenses are only going to have to cover 10 yards that's unacceptable Arthur Smith is supposed to be an offensive quarter or offensive 
coordinator. That's not what I saw. I saw someone that was scared. I saw someone that was unprepared. I saw somebody that didn't deserve to get an offense or a head coaching job by the way that those Falcons looked. He better prove himself. And go in and throw that in for an extra key to the game that Arthur Smith better come out and show that these he can get these Falcons prepared. Because if they continue to be unwatchable, I'm not looking at this Falcons team. I didn't expect them to do huge things. I didn't expect them to be one of the top tier teams. I barely think that they're going to be able to make them to the playoffs. And I kind of doubt that. I don't even know if they're going to be able to win five games after I saw how unprepared they were. But I can tell you this much. They have the talent to win at least win half their games. At least win eight games. They at least have enough talent for that. And the way that they showed up unprepared to that last game makes me think that Arthur Smith may not be ready for this head coaching job. But we'll continue to see. I'm not slipping on him just yet. But best believe I'll be slipping on him next week if he's not going to be prepared. My next key to the game is you got to stop the run. The Falcons have to be able to stop LeGarrette Blunt. Not LeGarrette Bump. Oh my goodness. Leonard Fournette. As well as that other guy they have in, in Buccaneers. You know how I have all those problems with names. But they have two backs that essentially have the same game. And now they do have Giovanni Bernard, who's a third down back. But they aren't going to be depending on him unless they go down big. And I don't see the Falcons doing that. If the Falcons are able to make Tom Brady pass more than they want him to that tilts the favor in Dean P's defense where it's supposed to be getting after the quarterback with little fancy blitzes and that's what I need from them that's what I need from this Falcons team now I'm a little bit concerned with that because it brings up my next point that it doesn't matter if you're able to stop the run if you're not able to get after the quarterback, then Brady's just going to toss the ball all over you. They're just going to continue to rack up points more than I even expect them to. The Falcons have to be able to create some sort of pressure. Now, do I think they'll be able to create pressure? I don't know. Nothing they've done over the past four years have shown me that they've been able to generate pressure. Dante Fowler last week was was I didn't I don't even know what number he plays. Apparently he has number six because that's that's the number of sacks he plans on getting this year. The only person that was able to get a sack last last week was Jacob Tuity Mariner, and and he you know he's like your set he's he's your backup. The Falcons need more pressure out of these guys. And, you know, at some point, they got to show some heart. Because that's the main thing that y'all here to do. Y'all got to play better. Otherwise, Brady's going to pass all over y'all. Now, what do I expect the Falcons to do? I don't expect them to win. But what I do hope is that the Falcons are going to be a little bit more competitive and show a little bit more heart. 
so that they'll be able to at least be a little bit more competitive and a little bit more watchable in week two. You're listening to The Slip with Brandon Baird. All right, all right. It's time to get into a little bit of Braves talk. As the Braves currently stand three and a half games above the Phillies and five and a half games above the Mets in the NL East division, we are coming up on the last half of a month of baseball in the regular season. And to even say that the Braves would have a 89% chance um, according to Fangraphs, of making the playoffs after having a 7% chance of making the playoffs um, at the end of July, you have to say that that August was absolutely spectacular. And I don't think that this Braves team is good enough to continue those kinds of results. However, what I do expect from this Braves team is to at least go 500 as they are coming up against a really tough road um, road trip uh, against some two really good teams. One, the best team in the major league by record, which is the San Francisco Giants, who just clinched their playoff spot a couple days ago. They also have four games, including a suspended game that needs to be completed against the Padres. These times are a little bit worrisome because they have those before they come back home to face Philadelphia in New York. Now, the Braves have been 5-5 five and five over the last 10. They've scuffled a little bit. They've been able to win a couple series but they haven't looked as dominant as they needed to within those those times. And now it is a blessing that both Philadelphia as well as the New York Mets have been scuffling during that time too. And even when the, they were not scuffling and playing a little bit better than what they had been, they were not playing well enough to really catch up to the Braves. But the Braves, I don't think, fully took advantage of that which means they're going to have to win some games on this road trip that's coming up. And that starts Friday against San Francisco, where they're going to have Ian Anderson, followed by Charlie Morton on Saturday, followed by Max Freed. And those are the people that you want pitching against one of the better teams when you need at least one win in that series. I would love to at least have two. And luckily, they're going to miss out on Kevin Gossman as he's pitching today um, against the Padres and actually got knocked around a little bit early. But this is what I need from the Braves in order for them to make the playoffs. I need them to go 500 for the rest of the year. If the Braves are able to go 500 the rest of the year and able to take care of business when at home against the New York Mets in Philadelphia, that is going to bode well for them. Because what, the, what Philadelphia and the Mets need to do is surpass any hot streak that they had in the season to be able to catch the Braves if they go 500. Now, I think the Braves can do better against um, than 500 and they're able to play these teams that they are actively trying to hold off in the division they need to take care of business 
by winning some games um, away from home and then coming home and then taking care of business. Currently, the past losses, the nine losses that the Braves have held, seven of them have been one-run games. Two of them have been two-run games. And what this shows me is that in these losses, the Braves have not been able to get clutch hits. They've been run leaving a lot of runners on base. I'll give you an example. In the, the extra inning loss that they um, just experienced to Colorado on Robert, Roberto Clemente game, in one of the innings, I think it might have been the eighth inning, they had three walks in that one inning and were unable to score a run. That is just simply unacceptable. The Braves are not doing a good job of being able to put the ball in play when they need to. And when they do put the ball in play, they're popping it up. They're, they're um, having these lazy fly balls in the outfield. And that's just not gonna get the job done. They need to be able to get the ball on the ground and hopefully that's going to increase their um, their luck when um, you have these these balls just finding holes. That's what they need. But striking out and and trying to have these pop ups where they're not even hard pop ups is not going to get the job done. Over these last couple weeks of the season, I need. A couple players to do a couple things. I need Dansby to hit back up again. He's been okay after having a really hot August, but he's kind of fallen back down to earth and he's kind of been striking out a little bit more. He hasn't been striking out as much as he was at the beginning of the season, um, which was going through July, but he's been striking out. I need him to continue to put that ball in play. And I need him to continue to be the hitter that we've seen him be able to be in those long stretches. Another thing I need to do is I need Duvall to strike out less. It seems that there's been so many at-bats with Duvall. And he's had a couple big hits. But there's also been a couple situations where he's been able to, when he's been striking out in a time when we don't need the Braves to strike out. And that's been hurting them over this time period where you have these people in these big spots where these people like Soler, these people like Austin Riley, these people like Freddie Freeman are getting on base, but they're not being driven in due to these strikeouts. I need that to happen. And I think stri striking out less is one of those keys that's gonna be able to get that done. Another thing that I need done in terms of what's gonna help contribute to the Braves is they're gonna need more than two dependable starters. Right now, they only have two dependable starters in being Max Fried and Charlie Morton. Ian Anderson is potentially a guy that can work back into form to be a dependable guy. But I think he's still coming back, um, trying to get back into form after having that soldier, shoulder injury. And another guy, Oscar Yanoa, He's also struggling just a little bit. He's not going as deep into games as he once was. And I think he both are going to be guys that are able to get back into that. Um, but it may take a little bit of time. But quite frankly, we're running out of time. We need those pitchers, such as Aaron Anderson and Oscar Unoa, 
to at least go five innings, but also not have those hectic five innings where they're constantly battling the whole time. That's putting them at a disadvantage. What I'm shooting for for them is going six innings of like two-run ball. If they're able to do that, I can see them as being a little bit more dependable. But they've been struggling to get to these five innings. Now, Ian Anderson in his last start was able to get nine strikeouts in five innings. I think while he builds up his strength, I think he's going to be a little bit more dependable. But as we want to go 500 at least 500 over this last bit of the season, those are the keys that we need from the Braves, is that they're going to need more than those two dependable starters. And we have two options that are going to step up. Now, I am quite frankly very disappointed in Drew Smiley and Tuki Tucson, who don't seem to be able to get back on track and showing the promise that they once showed. I wasn't big on that Smiley train, and now he's in a bullpen and not even playing well in there, where he's able to try to throw his curveball a little bit more, which is his plus-plus pitch. And Tuki Tucson is not being able to locate his fastball. It's not a very good fastball. It's not challenging, it's not challenging hitters like it should. And quite frankly, what these hitters are doing is they're just waiting on it and unloading because the home runs have been the biggest enemy for both Tuki Toussaint and Drew Smiley. But that's okay. We, we can afford to lose that fifth game if those other four starters are being dependable. And that's what I need out of those Falcons or out of those Braves that they need to be dependable as pitchers. And that's going to ease up to let those bats do what we have seen them do consistently because this is a lineup that nobody wants to face in the playoffs. This is The Slip with Brandon Baird. Major League Baseball celebrated Roberto Clemente Day on September 15th. Roberto Clemente was an amazing player and even a better humanitarian. He died December 31, 1972 while trying to get relief supplies for Nicaragua when a plane crashed due to engine flare shortly after takeoff. As a player, he was a 15-time All-Star, a 12-time Gold Glove, and a 4-time batting champion. He was a 2-time World Series champion and the 1966 National League MVP. He was inducted into the 1973 Hall of Fame due to a special election that let him be elected in before the five-year time slot that's usually allotted for players. This is because he had a 317 average over 17 years and exactly 3,000 hits. Roberto Clemente is a representative for Puerto Rico and all Latinos and a symbol for how all of us should live our lives. This has been a slip in Atlanta Sports Podcast for the True ATLian. I am the host, Brandon Baird. You can follow me on Twitter at Bairdian underscore slip. Please rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll catch you next week. And always remember, don't slip.